0: the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high we just sing that one more time you came from heaven to earth to show Name on high, amen. We could just uh, change the key to F. Oh, uh, we sing praises to your name. We sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name. now um, if uh, Noah you would just be ready to pray over these requests. If we could just uh, remember Brother Troy Hughes in prayer his uh, blood count is low since his recent hospital stay say um, just remember the parks coming back from Scotland uh, pray for the just remember the Jackson's uh, Brother Jeff is a uh, had to stay at work uh, remember the drums. As well as uh, pray for sister Karen Buchanan, um, as well as we have a special quest to pray for, this is from Chanel, please pray for Aunt Rosie, she is in the hospital, she has a GI bleed, the virus, the, sorry, the, rhinovirus and her oxygen is low. She is in a lot of pain. That's from Chanel. So if we just remember all those prayers, Noah, if you would uh, come up and pray over them.
1: Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we love you, Lord. We're so grateful for you providing us the time in the middle of the week to just come and serve you, Lord. Just praise you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would just watch over those that can't be with us. We miss them while they're not here. We ask your blessings over all these needs, those that were spoken, those that are in our hearts, Lord. Lord, no matter what it is, we know that you can take care of every single thing. Lord, we ask that as we move into the service, that you would just speak to each and everyone individually. Lord, whatever it is that they're looking for, if they're searching for a touching, a healing, Lord, whatever it might be, that you would just speak directly to them. Lord, if there's anything that's going to hinder us during this service, Lord, I ask that you would just call it out, Lord. Just remove it. Let us just enter into a perfect worship and perfect house, Lord. We also have these things in your name. Amen.
0: You guys can be seated. We have a a couple of specials tonight. Always love specials. Um, If Anderson, if you would come up and... uh, Prepare yourself. Uh, Let's just sing that, uh, that same song. We sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and great. Sing praises to your name. If the Clayville family would come forward and be ready. Come on up, Clayvilles. Praise the Lord.
2: I wanted to dedicate the song to my Sunday school class. We've been studying through the Old Testament and um, the song is so applicable to our daily lives as Christians. So we're also dedicating it to all of our brothers and sisters, fellow soldiers in the army of the Lord.
0: given full authority in my name. There's no time left now for crying. It's a shame to complain. You have to kick the devil off your mountain. You're predestined and ordained. Don't you know that you're a soldier in the army of the king? Little by
3: little, you can win every battle. Little by little, you can
0: conquer every foe. I'll set boundaries around you. They will stretch from sea to sea. Little by little,
3: I will prosper.
0: can take hold. Prayer makes the demons tremble, but it puts God in control. Little by little, you can win every battle. Little by little, you can conquer every battle. stretch from sea to sea. Little by little, I will prosper thee. I'll set boundaries around you. They will stretch from try this song? uh, I just love the words of this one. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. After is running after me. Life laid down. I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running. would just make their way forward.
4: Father, we stand together, Lord, in your presence tonight, thanking you so much, Lord, for your presence among us already. Lord Jesus, at the beginning of this service, Lord, at this moment in time, the very best thing we can do, Lord, is just spiritually, Lord, we can just back away and just let you take the preeminence. And Lord, you would speak to us, and Lord, you would take the book in your hand now, and you would use our lips, Lord, and use my mind and my thoughts, O God. Use, Lord, what is prepared. And I ask, O God, that you would just be free to flow from vessel to vessel, like water in a stream. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us of anything that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may it all be under the blood of Christ. And Lord, as we stand here, we depend upon your strength and your help, Lord. So we commit the evening now, the balance of it into your hands. There are people who are listening, Lord, who I pray that you would speak to tonight. And Father, have your way, we pray now, and we'll give you all the praise and glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask. Amen. And amen, praise the Lord. While you have your Bibles standing tonight, let's look in the Scripture to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Thank you, uh, young folks. Appreciate the... uh, Willingness of our young people to uh, serve and our specials tonight. Anderson, you can always play that set of pipes, buddy. I enjoy it. And uh, the Clavel family tonight, special and special specials. And uh, we appreciate that very much. Sunday's our church dinner uh, for all, and so we're looking forward to that. Matthew chapter 18. We're just going to read a couple of verses here tonight as we begin. Verse 21 of Matthew 18, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. May the Lord at his blessing you may be seated. Sister Becky's now with us tonight. She is uh, caring for Brother Fulcher. We had a caregiver whose husband wound up in hospital and uh, spent two and a half days, I think, in the ER waiting for a bed and uh, had a heart issue and wound up in, a, in the ER setting for two and a half days. So it's been very difficult. We have to scramble when that happens, but uh, she's not here tonight. Um, I wanted to mention that we have our uh, financial piece. There will be a link on the website. That's where you'll go and sign on, click on for that. And there is a fee associated with that. Now, don't tell anybody this. But this uh, FPU is open for anybody who wants to do it. Anybody, if you know people outside the church, you're welcome to do that. But I'm supplementing the costs for people who are here. HBT. You say, Brother Barry, that's bias. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, if uh, if the link will say one price, but I'm going to reimburse you a portion of that price, okay? Uh, since we're doing financial peace, uh, we'll just write a bunch of checks. And uh, so if you sign up, sign up for the amount that's on the website, and then we'll be reimbursing you for part a portion of that balance okay so that link will be coming soon and uh, we'll let you know we'll alert you when it's there and uh, you can jump on that and then if you know people who are uh not from the church who want to be a part of that and i i strongly urge as i've said before i strongly urge you to do uh, do that even if you've uh uh, you know no matter your age range i think it is uh, very profitable and good for us to do um I just want to say two things here also. I got three things real quick. Number one, Sister Karen, thank you for all the help. Sister Karen single-handedly got all of our uh, newsletters or vision books mailed out and and took care of that at the post office. Sister Carrie uh, Carrie Whitlock uh, also helped, and (laughs) we appreciate that help very much. Um, We also... Want to thank Sister Crystal for doing that, uh, making the effort to do those cards for Brother and Sister Smith. Now, you may not think that that's a big deal, but I will guarantee you, Brother and Sister Smith will consider that a big deal. Amen. And you know what? That's what families do. Because uh, there's some of you that don't even know Brother Smith and Sister Smith, you've never met them, because they're a part of our assembly, but they're, they've been housebound because of illness. And age, and uh, but they're very much a part of our assembly, uh, and like some others, and uh, to ha- to to take the time, Sister Crystal, and do that gesture of having everybody's picture and a card. I just I thought, man, that that uh, that's what families should do, and I, I just want to say thank you for that. I, I really appreciate you doing that. Third thing I want to say is that when I was talking about finances a little while ago and a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Uh, I mentioned about uh, not being a good steward if I gave you $1,000 and you went and bought a pair of sneakers. Boy, did I get corrected on that. Pfft. Huh. Um, I had no idea. I just randomly picked out that topic, and I was think I was going to uh, pick out something like $1,000 worth of uh, nerds, or but I, I, don't, I don't need any of that, and I don't... I don't um, I couldn't think of anything else, so I just thought of sneakers. It might have been because of you, right there. But uh, man, I was wrong about that, because that's big business for people, and some people here, apparently, and I, I just, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that I was really wrong on that, so I, need, I stand corrected that I won't, I won't mention the sneakers anymore, because I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. It <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. I want to. I, I, I fail to mention uh, Veterans Day on, uh, or sorry, Memorial Day on, on the end of May, and uh, we always like to acknowledge and, and uh, make mention of our uh, ex-military folks who have served, and um, I think it is an honorable thing for us to uh, pay tribute to those that uh, paid a price for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have. Uh, I don't know if many of you uh, took note, but yesterday was uh, the 79th anniversary of D-Day. Uh, my father-in-law, Brother Fulcher, uh, is uh, one of the uh, sole survivors left in eastern U.S. Uh, of D-Day, and uh, we went yesterday to Bedford, Virginia, where the U.S. Uh, memorial is to D-Day. And Governor Glenn Youngkin came and gave the, Prince, the main address, uh, and that's him on his knees there, on his knee in front of Brother Fulcher, and uh, he took uh, quite a little bit of time to talk about him in, in his speech. Uh, and if you never heard it, and if you, you want the link, there's there's the, the TV and radio stations uh, surrounded us yesterday after the fact. And... Uh, interviewed him and took photographs and so forth. So there's, there was multiple links on the, uh, for everything from NPR to, down to the local stations. And um, it was uh, quite an event yesterday to have all of that attention uh, showered on him. And uh, this was another one of the uh, ex-Navy uh, military men in the smaller picture. who was on the left of Brother Fulcher there. And uh, he had one of the uniforms that uh, they wore back in that day. And that's the dress blues. And you could not use, I think, Tom, you, you know this, you can't wear uh, whites until July 1st, I think it is. Uh, and so he, was, he said it was really hot in the dress blues, but that's what they had to wear until uh, summer officially started. Um, so we, uh, just to give you an idea about uh, Governor Youngkin, he, uh, he, he's a kind of a fellow, one of the reporters told me that they were covering an event with Governor Youngkin uh, in in Richmond, and when he uh, when he was standing around, they were waiting to start. They usually have somebody like a local pastor or a minister, somebody a chaplain of some sort, open up the session in prayer, and that's that's typical uh, how they do it in Richmond. And uh, this person never showed up, never made it on time. So Governor Yunkin said, "Hey, I got this. Everybody bow your heads and just led the whole uh, the whole Congress in prayer and." Uh, He's, he's just that kind of a person. And uh, he gave coins uh, to, there was about eight uh, surviving World War II soldiers who were there. And Brother Fulcher, who was the only D-Day veteran there, that is somebody who actually fought on the beaches, the three, three beaches of, uh, of the Normandy invasion um, and uh, Operation Overlord. And Brother Fulcher was the only one who happened to be there, only, only surviving member, but there was five other uh, World War II veterans who were standing there. Governor Yunkin had a coin for each one of them, and I didn't bring a picture of it. I took a picture of the coin, but I, I didn't bring it with me. Uh, but on uh, he, he took Brother Fulcher's hand like this, and he put the coin in his hand, and he turned it over and helped him make a fist so he could hold on to it. And uh, when I looked at the coin, it had the seal of the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, On one side, and then on the other side, it had Psalm 92, and it said, uh, you know, I I look unto the hills from whence cometh my help, and it was signed Governor Yunkin, and uh, he's he's just that kind of a a governor, but he took time in front of each one of the veterans like this and uh, knelt there and and, uh, talked to them and uh, did it face to face because five of the six were in wheelchairs. Uh, The man who was 101 years old uh, was standing upright. And uh, was uh, the governor was able to stand there and talk to him? I thought, wow, well, that's pretty good. I got next to him and I said, "What are you eating every day?" You know, "What are you?" <laughs> let me in. Let me in on it. So at the end of it, and when when these pictures were taken, this is uh, not one of the ones that I took, but the, there was uh, lots of pictures that were taken. And I was standing by the side, and as the governor was leaving, he saw me over there, and he uh, he stepped over and shook my hand, and. I just said to him, God bless you and, and uh, appreciate his leadership and so forth, and I said, proud to be living in Virginia under your uh, under your administration, and uh, just a very kind, very gracious man. So it was very special yesterday, and I think it's a, uh, it's an honorable thing to pay tribute to those that have served, and uh, it is uh, uh, something that I think a lot of people, we tend to forget now, you know, that, uh, that that's, uh, that's actually ongoing, but... Um, And, of course, military uh, service is a little bit different than it was back in World War II, uh, for sure. But uh, still, we appreciate our veterans, for sure. One last screen that I want to show you here, and this is a little piece, a portion of the flooding that's going on in Ukraine. And uh, since the dam broke, and uh, as I mentioned to you before, uh, the Russian uh, government had placed uh, the majority of their nuclear power plants in the country of Ukraine because their customers in Europe were nearer Ukraine than Russia. And so the largest, the very largest nuclear plant is downriver from this dam, and uh, it it of course is in jeopardy, and they're watching that very, very closely. Um, It is a major event, and even if it's not capturing uh, all the top headlines, it is a major event. We are in the process of trying to reach out to believers who are in this area uh, because, as you can see, the damage is widespread, and we are in contact with believers uh, in the region on a regular basis, but we don 't know yet if anybody has been or would be affected by the flood we 're trying to do what we can to find out. Communications obviously are very poor in a situation like this and Uh, People are being evacuated, but, you know, I mean, it's a war zone. This is right. Russia's on one side of that river. Ukraine's on the other side of that river. Uh, There are huge, huge consequences for uh, an event like this, and it was just on the eve of an uh, offensive by Ukraine against Russia. The Russians knew that, so as to who actually blew this dam up or whether it was blown up is still a bit of a mystery. I would submit to you that we probably never really will know Uh, what actually happened here, but uh, it has uh, dramatic consequences for the people uh, in that area for sure. So uh, if we get any more information on that, we'll certainly let you know. Now, we've been talking about uh, this subject of love and forgiveness here, and last week we introduced that to you. I would like to uh, carry on just a little bit further here and see where this takes us. Brother Bram said, I don't care how intellectual you are. He said, we still got canary brains because we're only human beings, meaning that we are limited as to what we can really truly know. We cannot know the future. None of us can. And we do not have, uh, we do not have a knowledge of the eternal uh, like, uh, like God obviously does. And so therefore, we are limited. No matter how smart we are, we are limited. We are never given intellect to know God. That's not how we were ever intended to know God. We are intended to know God by experience, right? And God's known by the Spirit and by revelation of the Holy Ghost. And we'll never be able to understand Him through intellectuals. You can explain and say that people cry and turn the other cheek or just old-fashioned. But he said that's the man that's reflecting Christ in his life. A man who is humble. Watch now, this is 1959. So simple people, ordinary people, have an experience with God. And he said, you, you can try to explain it away and, and say that people cry and turn the other cheek are just old-fashioned. You know, and maybe they're... Uh, you might look down on people like that. This is what he's, this is what he's saying to the crowd. You, you, you might be able to look down on people like that and you might have a, a, a word for them or whatever else. But he said, that's, that's the man... Ref, that's reflecting Christ in his life. Because what God's looking for is a submissive heart, right? He's looking for a sub, someone who submits to uh, his word and, and his commands and his presence and so forth. And we all react differently when we submit ourselves to God. Some people go quietly and carry out the master's business, and other people, uh, you know, there might be more emotional in their response to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Either way, how we react is not as important as whether we do react. And that's the man that's reflecting Christ in his life. And I want to be one of them. Even if I do it differently than you, I want to be known as a person who uh, submitted myself to God and reflected Christ in my life. I, I want to be that. And no matter what capacity, whether I'm sitting in the pew or standing in the pulpit, doesn't matter. I want to be a person whose, my epithet is going to be that I uh, demonstrated Christ in my life. And a man who is humble, a man who will walk uh, with God, uh, will act, a man who will walk with God, will act like Jesus. A man who will walk with God will act like Jesus. A man that's reflecting Christ in his life, a man who's humble, a man who will walk with God and act like Christ. This is what he says in 1959. So don't worry about whether you're overly intelligent or not, whether you got a lot of education or not. It really doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. What matters is that you're going to humble yourself to the voice of God and the word of God and walk in such a way uh, that you act like Christ. The people see Christ in you. That's, that's, what you, that's what you want to do. Now, let me tell you a little story. And uh, uh, I, I mentioned this before a long time ago, but just let me revisit it again because some of you, your memories are just as bad as mine, so it's f- going to be fresh. But I remember one time coming into our, our, uh, in our Kroger uh, store, and we have a gas station in our Kroger store. It's very crowded, very often, and uh, I drove in, and you can drive in two ways to the, uh, to the gas station. If this is the gas station, you can enter this way to the pumps, or you can drive around and go this way into the pumps, either way. And uh, one day it was crowded, and I, so I took, uh, I took the route of going around another way uh not the normal way and (laughs) that's me but I I came around this way and I because my tank is on that side and so I pulled into this gas station here and there was a woman who was coming happened to be she had her eye on that slot too and she was coming the other way so we're going like this and we're coming into the same slot well I mean common sense would tell you that two cars are not going to fit in the same slot right but I happened to be a little bit ahead of her, and the problem was, is that I was preoccupied because I was talking to a minister whose mother had just died. And uh, I was really caught up in this conversation, but I knew I needed gas, so it's the kind of thing where you put it on autopilot and you don't look, let the, let the vehicle drive for itself. And so I was pulling into the spot like this, and then I realized this woman was in front of me here, and uh, so she backed out, but as she backed out, she was up you know, waving her fist at me, and then it dawned on me what I did. But I, I was on the phone, and this brother's mother had just died, and I didn't want to interrupt and say, "Sorry, ma'am," took your. Sp-. I didn't, you know, I was just I stayed on the phone, and so I, I waved at her and so forth, and uh, uh, I, I finished up the phone call, got my gas, finished up the phone call, and as as I hung up my phone, I went over to the window where the guy was in the booth, and I said to him. Uh, I, I, I said, there's, there's that woman. She's in that car who tried to get in that spot. And I took her spot. And I was pointing at her like this. And I was telling the guy, I said, that woman over there, that woman. And what I was saying to the guy in the booth was, if you don't mind, can you intercept uh, her credit card and let me pay for her gas? Yes, that woman over there. And let me pay for her gas. I'll take care of the cost of her gas. And that woman who was in the car, she misinterpreted my actions altogether. And she was thinking, that guy's over there complaining about me and telling the manager about what kind of trouble I've caused. And I'm not the one who caused the trouble. He's caused the trouble. And she's getting ready to get out of her car. And uh, she, she, uh, by the time she pulls in, she gets out of her car. And she's walking over towards me like this. And I, I went to her and I said, ma'am, I said, I want to apologize. I said, I was telling that guy, if I could, I'd like to be able to pay for your gas today because I took your spot. That was a mistake. I was on the phone. I'm a minister. And I was talking to a minister. And his mother died. And, you know, all the details. And my life story. I told her my testimony bound for glory. Gave her, gave her a couple of tracks and everything. I invited her to church. I said, Do you know, Brother David, he lives in town. You can know, go talk to him about the message and everything else, you know. So she was really taken off guard by my by, by generosity you know, like, she didn't expect that. Most people expect conflict today. When you have a little conflict, you expect that it'll escalate into more conflict, right? And, and that's, that's kind of the way things normally turn out. But when I, when I did that, I disarmed her by offering her an offering of peace. I gave her an olive branch, an olive branch with dollar signs on it. Of course, that's going to that's gonna pacify most people. And, and she was quite thankful for that. And she wouldn't let me pay for her gas. And uh, But she was very thankful that I had uh, tried to intervene and tried to make that uh, happen on her behalf. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, sometimes that, uh, that's, you're caught in ordinary situations. And because you're a Christian, you're reacting real quick. I didn't think about that. Well, now, how can I repay this woman? It all happened so fast that, uh, you know, I was just trying to uh, make that situation better. And in life, you want to reflect Christ in whatever way you can. And sometimes it happens real quick, right? I remember one time Lucas and I were heading home after church. We went up through Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and uh, this is great. And we, we, He wanted to go through Chick-fil-A as our custom on Wednesday nights. So we zipped up there and uh, we were going through the drive through. And I looked in my rearview mirror and there happened to be two sisters from this church in my rearview mirror. And these two sisters are sitting over here. They're sisters, sisters. And I said to the lady at the, at the window, I said, this is our order. And I said, I want to pay also for the people behind me, if that's all right. And uh, so she does, she rings that up also and gets their order. And uh, she says, all right, it's you know $15 for yours and $42.50 for theirs. I did a John Harwell. Really? I said, I know they're two young and growing girls, but I said, all right, you know, that's the deal. I said, I'd do it. So, you know, I'm thinking about mortgaging the house, but I, there you go. So I, we paid for it and I thought, wow, you know, that's, I I mean, I didn't say much because, you know, Lucas had a bit of a soft spot for one of those girls and so, I, she said, would you mind just waiting over here while your order is being prepared? So uh, we pulled over in the parking spot with the, the uh, Siberia, I call it, because they always forget you over there, always forget you over there. And so anyway, we pulled over there and I was just waiting. And I, while I'm waiting there, this big guy, looked like a trucker, he comes up, knocks on my window. I'm reluctant to roll it down. I roll it down about this much. I say, yeah, can I help you? He says, hey, man, just wanted to say thanks for the dinner. Uh, they told me in the restaurant, you paid for it, huh? Listen, buddy, really appreciate it. Love you. Love you, all right? You're my kind of guy. Love you. And here's what I didn't realize, is that, you know, they, when you go through the thing, they got a car, and then a car, and then a car, and it's... This big truckload of guys was in there after work that day, and they were ready to have supper. They got in there. Yeah, life's funny. All right, that's what he said in 1959. Then in 1965, he says, we're supposed to, rep- we're supposed to represent God. All right, well, let's put it this way. If you don't, who will? in the earth today. Who else is growing in the field that resembles a seed that caused you to grow in the first place? We're supposed to represent God. We're supposed to be a good representative of God. We're supposed to be a true representative of God. I mean, don't say you, you're born again and don't go to church. Or don't say you're born again and don't pay tithes. I mean, we're supposed to represent Him in private and in public. I, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's true. That's true. So let's talk about, in this subject of forgiveness here, let's talk about this idea. Now, in, in Psalm 130, David writes, If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, if you're making a list, O oh Lord, who'll stand at the end of the day? <laughs> We're all sunk. But, there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Thank God there is forgiveness. Say it with me. Thank God there is forgiveness. Amen. Now the Jew, Brother Branham said, would go offer his sacrifice. This is what Jesus discovered. This is the message of all things. And the Jew would go offer his sacrifice just because, well, the family did it. They offered a the sacrifice because that was the thing to do. Everybody did it. It was a tradition. Walked up and said oh, wait a minute, I believe I sinned last week. I'll get me a lamb. And he said, see, there was no godly sorrow for his sin. It was only a ritual, just a ritualistic form of taking his animal for an offering. And he never got nothing out of it because he never put nothing into it. And yet he was obeying the commission of God by his word. If you were looking at him, you could probably easily misinterpret what he did. Right, you would think, oh, there goes a real son of God and a real sincere person offering his lamb, and there he goes, you know, and the blood is on his hands. And you might, we, and that's that's because we look at things on the outside. And yet, he was obeying, listen to what he says, yet he was obeying the commission of God by his word. He's actually carrying out the elements of the commandment get a lamb, bring a lamb, as the lamb is being slain, put your hands on it and walk away, and your sins are covered by that blood for a year. It's a substitute. Accept the substitute and go on for a year. And Brother Bam said he was obeying the commission of God by his word. But you know what? What really counts here is not what what the actions he did. What really counts is what God sees, how God reacts to this guy doing what he just did. But he didn't come in the real meaning of his word. Fundamentally, he obeyed it fundamentally he did what he was supposed to do, but he didn't come in the real meaning of the word. Or let's expand on that and say he didn't come in the real spirit of, the, of his word. He didn't come in the real spirit of his word. And what's the word? It's, it's forgiveness. He didn't come in the real spirit of, oh God, I thank you that this lamb represents a substitute that was, uh, that, that was giving its life now for me and Lord, this should have been me, but thank God you allowed this animal to shed its blood so that I might go free for another year. And Lord, even though I'm not eternally redeemed here, I'm not, I'm not cleansed from my, my nature, but Lord, you've given me grace. You, paw, you push the pause button for another year. Oh, I thank you for that. That's all he had to say. Because then he would have been expressing what the real meaning of all of this was. But over time, listen, over time, it's easy to lose the meaning of what you're doing. Over time, it's real easy to let the, the sincerity and the meaning and the mundaneness of something that let it, let it slip away because, you know what, this is what we do. It's what our family does. And uh, we go to church, we take communion, we pay our tithes, and we, uh, we sing, we stand up, sit down, sit sing, we give an offering, and so forth. And you can lose the real meaning of it. And I pray that God does not ever let us lose the real value or the real meaning of what's going on here. And, and let me tell you, whether it's me, uh, whether it's another minister or in your own daily life, uh, let, me, let me be the kind of person that reflects Christ and I want to be able to uh, do whatever I do here in the spirit of Christ I want to be able to do it in the real passion the real zeal for God like I should have when Jesus went to the cross he didn't say oh wow hey well I guess it's time better go I got other things that I need to do but it, it, it wasn't that way he he was he was all in we'd say it that way and whatever Jesus did he was all in wouldn't you agree and and I I think that uh, you know the the uh, the message very uh, brother man was trying to send to us here is that uh, if you're going to come if you're going to come and it, it, it is right to come it is worth coming do uh, the uh, do the things that God requires but when you come do it in the meaning of His Word not just in the in the letter of His Word don't just tick the box and go home and not not give a hoot for what this really stands for. As believers, we should do that. Because there are people who are not believers who have done it. Now, some of you know this story, and let me just refresh your memory here. There was a uh, a movie made called A Bridge Over the River Kwai. The river is not actually called Kwai. But it was made uh, about in World War II when the Japanese were in, in control here of Bataan and they uh, forced s- uh, prisoners and civilians uh, to create a railroad to connect the supply lines, make supply lines uh, full. Here's the explanation. The notorious Burma-Siam Railroad, it was built by Dutch Commonwealth and American prisoners of war, it was a Japanese project that supported large the large Japanese army in Burma. During its construction, Approximately 13,000 prisoners of war died and were buried along the railway. Many of those prisoners were tortured in the process. I read about the torture they went through, and I will not repeat it. It was horrendous what many of those prisoners went through. And an estimated 100,000 civilians also died in the course of the project. Two labor forces, one in Siam, the other one in Burma, worked from two ends and came together in the center. This bridge was central to that whole project. And it was uh, engineered by some of the British engineers there, as the story goes. and uh, There was a a book that was written about this called The Railway Man, and it was written by Eric Lomax. And uh, he was a member of the uh, British Armed Forces out of Scotland. And a very bright and intelligent fellow, he was one of the engineers who was involved in this project. So it was a big deal uh, back in World War II, and they wanted to have it to supply these lines, and in the end of it, uh, the bridge was destroyed before it actually became functional. It was completed, but then it was destroyed. The tragedy about all of this was not the bridge. The tragedy was how these human beings were treated, and Eric Lomax was one who had gone through uh, various forms of torture, and uh, when he left that area, he seethed with anger. Every single day he thought about whatever way he could to get even with these soldiers who had so tortured him. And his life was dominated by this. He went on to become an engineer and taught in a college, uh, I think for 31 years after, uh, after the war was over. And all the time that he was uh, teaching and after the war was over, he was back in England, he spent all of his free time practically researching where these officers, commanding officers were, who were in that part of the world overseeing all of those 13,000 prisoners. Uh, he was trying to track where they were. He didn't have Google back then, and he didn't have Ancestry.com. He didn't have any of that, but he spent his time trying to look through war records to see, did the Japanese keep records of where they were? And then if he could find any of them, he, would, he said, uh, I, w- I would go to kill them. That's what his uh, motive was in doing this research. Then in 1998, uh, he had the opportunity to get in contact with one of the interpreters who was there at the torture. And his name was Mr. Takashi. And he was a chief wartime uh, tormentor and an interpreter. And he was the one who spoke English. So he was trying to get this information out and relay it to his commanders. And so Mr. Lomax said, when I finally got in contact with this person, found out where he was, he said, a meeting was arranged and I had come with no sympathy for this man. His heart was filled with hatred over years and years of thinking about all that had been done, and if I had the opportunity ever to get even with him. And yet, Nagasi, through his complete humility, turned this around. And in the days that followed, we spent a lot of time together talking and laughing. And he added, We promised to keep in touch and have remained friends ever since. Ever since. The story goes on to say that at the end of the war, I would have been happy to murder him, Mr. Lomax told the New York Times in 1995. It would have given me great joy to murder him. That's how he felt about him. But they became, and because of uh, the the guard's attitude and uh, Mr. Takashi and the way that he uh, met uh, Mr. Lomax when they met. And, and in, the, in the Orient, when you bow, the deeper the bow, the more respect you're paying to that person. And when he met him for the first time, he almost doubled over completely and put his head on the ground. And he just wept in front of Mr. Lomax. And he said, I know the error of my ways. He said, I'm so sorry. And, uh, you know, they spent time together. And his attitude of repentance turned uh, Mr. Lomax around. Wow. And he, he had such, I mean over 30 years of thinking about uh, what he would do to these men if he ever found them. And his attitude of humility and repentance turned Mr. Lomax around and softened his heart so completely that they became friends. And they were friends until Mr. Lomax died in 2012. New York Times did an article. The link is on the bottom there, and it's certainly uh, an an interesting story uh, all the way around. Brother Branham said, a Methodist God, a Baptist God, a Presbyterian God, Pentecostal God, he said, they won't work. He said, you get the God of this Bible, a Pentecostal God will go right out in the world. If you have a denominational God, he said, it won't hold you. Methodist God, Baptist God, or any other denominational God. But the God of this Bible will make you like Jesus. Sure will. His spirit dwell in you and all your life will be changed. And that temper and that malice, that unforgiving spirit, that thing, it'll canker your soul in a lost eternity. And what's the difference here? The difference between uh, between hatred and and real forgiveness and reconciliation is simply words, isn't it? Yeah. He didn't give him money. He didn't write him a check. Uh, he he didn't say, "Hey, torture me in return." It was just the respect and the actions of repentance that he showed uh, towards this man. And it's so it's so moved, Mr. Lomax. He all of that hatred and all that bitterness drained out now. These two, these two are not believers. As far as I know, they don't know anything about the message of the hour. And I'm just saying. Here's how forgiveness works. As part of our personal experience, we know God forgives our sins. Everybody said? Number two, we must forgive one another. And number one depends on number two. You remember this story? how a young boy was visiting, him and his sister were visiting their grandmother. And uh, <clears throat> this boy in the, uh, on the farm that grandma lived on uh, it was, had lots of woods and, and uh, trees and so forth, lots of land, lots of acreage. And his grandma and grandpa gave the little boy a, a slingshot. Now, a lot of kids underestimate slingshots, and uh, so you gotta be careful with slingshots. And he, he took his slingshot and he was practicing with rocks and couldn't hit, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn door. I mean, he just, he was so disappointed because he couldn't hit any, shot. hunting squirrels couldn't hit anything. And so on his way back home, he heard the dinner bell ringing. And on his way back home, going in for dinner, and uh, he saw uh, Grandma's pet duck. Uh, she had one duck that she favored, and he saw the pet duck. And just for fun, going through the motions, he picked up a rock and phew, flung it. It happened to hit the duck dead center between the two eyes. Killed him instantly. The little boy took the duck. He was so upset because he he knew this was Grandma's pet duck. And he was so upset by this and he took the duck and he hurriedly put it under his arm, ran over to the woodpile, buried it under the woodpile, figured nobody would find it until it was too late. So he went inside the house, and when he was running towards the house, he looked and saw in the bedroom window, his sister was looking out the window and saw the whole thing. Ah, oh, this is where you're supposed to groan. Not amen, but you're supposed to groan. And so afterwards, grandmother said, well, uh, said before you kids go outside and play, I'm going to need somebody to help me with the dishes. And the sister said, ha, well, uh, Bobby will certainly help you here, no problem at all. And as he got up and looked at her, she said, remember the duck. <laughs> Next night, after supper, <clears throat> the grandmother said the same thing, and I'm going to need help scrubbing the kitchen floor. And for the other one of you, uh, grandpa wants to take you fishing. And so the sister got up and did exactly the same thing. And, and uh, as she passed by her brother, she said, remember the duck. This little boy felt like he had a ball and chain around his leg for the rest of his life. So he went to his grandmother, and he said, Grandma, in tears, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, i got to uh, confess to you. I, 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 I shot my slingshot that you gave me, and uh, I killed a duck. And I put the duck behind the wor- woodpile. And I, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry, because uh, I know it was the wrong thing to do. And she said, hey, listen, Sonny, f- forget it. I happened to be looking out the window at the same time, and I saw you running off with the dead duck. So... I was just waiting for you to come and, and uh, tell me about it and confess what you did. And he looked at her and he was just so relieved. But she said, I also have one question for you. She said, I wondered how long you were going to be in bondage to your sister over this duck. When all you had to do was confess it. Remember the duck. There's a lot of people who feel like they carry, they need to carry their sin around and try to hide it. But you know what? Somebody's already seen it. And you're better off confessing it, because when you confess it, you know what? Someone takes it away from you. And the Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We serve a God who shows mercy and shows it quite, quite readily. I'm thankful for that. God does not ever tell you that once you become a Christian, now you have to act perfectly and consistently and faithfully every single day. That's the goal, but all of us will readily admit we don't always meet that goal. Isn't that right? But we serve a God who forgives. And we thank God that the Bible says His mercies are new every day. Sorry for being so fundamental here, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Brother Bam said, now, every one of you right now, if you've got unforgiven sins, you confess it and make it right, and God will heal you. But God can't heal you with unforgiven sin. Because when God looks at you, he sees the part that you haven't done. And Satan still has a jurisdiction over you. I don't know about you, but I get pretty uncomfortable when Satan has a jurisdiction over me. Because he knows how to ride me real good. He knows how to make life pretty miserable. So therefore... We know that our God is a mediator, right? He's, a, he's one who mediates peace. And he has broken down the wall of partition between the Old Testament and New Testament and broken down uh, you know, the, the, the sin barrier uh, that kept us disconnected from God. And so God understands mediation. He's a, he's a true mediator. Now, I hope I have enough time just to explain this to you, but it comes down to one word that's found in the Hebrew, and, and it's not pronounced this way, but I'm going to pronounce it cholek, which literally means if you look at the definition, it means to argue. But when you break it down, it, it is literally the word elements. An element. Like an element which is a component of something. Uh, if you have uh, water, uh, you have H and H2 and O, right? Hydrogen and oxygen. And so each one of those is an element. It's a part. Now, let me just try to explain this as quickly as I can here and and see if I can make sense of it with you. When it comes to relationships, not doctrine, but when it comes to relationships and dealing with people, and this is where this whole idea of forgiveness comes in and anger and letting go of that anger and so forth. All of us, all of us tend to fight for what we believe is right. We tend to stand on what we believe is right. Again, now, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about uh, just our point of view and something that might happen in your household, something that might happen between you and your kids, or something that might happen between two kids in your house. So for instance, let's say there's one orange left, and this was a story that I heard in relation to this. There was one orange left, and the boy wanted to have it, and the girl wanted to have it. And they were squabbling back and forth because it's human nature for uh, folks to squabble. Not any of you, of course, but it is human nature to squabble. So there's one orange, two of them are fighting over this orange, and it gets loud, and they call mom in. And mom finally says in exasperation, well, why do you want to have the orange? Why should I give it to you? And the boy says, well, you know what, I'm really super thirsty. I was outside playing, and the the thing that really would quench my thirst is that orange. I'd like to have it. And so she looked at the girl and said, well, why do you want to have the orange? What's so important for you? And she said, well, I'm learning to bake, and I've got a recipe over here because I've moved on from the mixes, and I've got a a recipe over here, and I need to have some orange peel, and I need to grind that peel and have it. So the mother says, huh, you know what? We both can move in a direction here where we can satisfy both needs, And give one the peel, and the other one can have the orange. And neither one of them, in a very simple way, neither one of them had thought about the fact that I can actually think in two directions at the same time. I can think about two things at the same time. Because when someone takes hold of something, when someone takes hold of something we want, we feel we have a right to get it back, and you have the makings of a, of, of a struggle when that happens. When you, when you want something that somebody else wants, you got the making of a struggle there. Now, let me just, uh, let me just try to explain it this way. <clears throat> In a disagreement, we often think about, well, if I don't win this argument, I'm going to lose. That might seem obvious. And secondly, people think I'm persuaded that I'm right in my cause. I want to have this orange or I want to have this piece of property. I feel like I, 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 I'm, I have a right to this. And so therefore, I'm going to stand my ground. And you know what that is? If they went to a court, they would stand before the judge and one person would provide his side. And that would be an element. That would be one part of the story. And if the other person said, well, no, I think that the, the land is mine, he would give another element. He'd give another side of it. And every judge is trained to collect the elements and look at both sides of the story. And when we look at both sides of the story and we begin to think about uh, you know, the, 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 the way that the other person thinks and we think about how that the other person might feel about this, then we're more apt to come to an agreement or a, a mediation, a compromise, than we are if we just hold on to our element and we're not willing to consider anybody else's. So sometimes, you know, your wife may say, hey, listen, let's go to the store. Let's go together. And you say, no, you go that way and I'll take the other car and I'll go this way. And she may say, no, I want to go together. And, uh, you know, she has one side of the story and you have another side of the story because you want to do this and you don't want to be stuck in a store. So you you don't want to be trapped. Uh, in, in a store where there's nothing but material, so you want to go to your store. She doesn't want to be trapped in a store where there's just nails and screws, and uh, so you're, you're, you're both, you both have an element, you both have a, a, a side. But there are times when you've got to think about it. You know what, I need nails, but I realize she probably wants a little company. Does that make sense? And when you begin to think in two ways or two directions... You know what? You're bound to come up with a compromise when you back off your position of being so stern or so stubborn about how you feel about it. And I'm not talking about doctrine. You know what? Acts 2.38 is right. We should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or when they stoned Stephen, right? Stephen was either right or wrong. There was no halfway with Stephen. Are you following me? So it was, either, it was either he was right or he was wrong, and there was no in-between. But when it comes to relationships and in your house here and dealing with disagreements, sometimes it helps for you to reach out and think like that other person. Yeah. And you realize, wow, I need nails, but she might really want the company. She might want just to be with me. And, you know, we're busy and we got all kinds of things going and just a couple of minutes to drive together and go do something and grab a Starbucks and and head home again. You know what? It's not the end of my life if I do that. And so you're able to sit there and think about, yes, I need this, but she would like to have that. And when you come into a place like that, you're looking at all of the elements. And this is what this Hebrew word uh, actually means, that when we come to a place of disagreement or argument, you need to look at the elements of this. You need to look at, at, at more than just your point of view. And when you soften up and look at your point of view, you know what? You're in a position, you're in a position not only to be blessed, but to bless other people. Now, let me, let me give you a little, a couple of examples here. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For this cause I sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into every remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ." as I teach everywhere and in every church. Now, some are puffed up. This is a, it's actually an important concept. And as though I, I would not come to you, but I will come to you. In other words, they had an attitude because they thought, well, Paul's not going to come. He's going to send his underling uh, to come and minister to us. We're not good enough for the Apostle Paul. And they got an attitude But he says, I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. This this condition has enough influence on Paul to actually get him up out of his chair and and go to find out, hey, what is it that's actually going on here? Is there something actually behind this? And these folks have got their, uh, you know, they've got a, a real attitude about this whole situation. And Paul says, hey, I'll come. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So in other words, if what you're saying is of God, you know what? God will demonstrate that you're right. God will vindicate that you're right. But if it's just you guys with an attitude, hey, let's work that out. I'll come. We'll talk about it. And then he asked in the last line, what will ye? What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Would you rather me come in anger or in meekness? So you can, under, you can see how, uh, you know, in a situation like this, they're thinking one way. And they're saying things about the Apostle Paul. And this is strong enough that Paul, uh, you know, he, he actually makes the decision, I'm going to go to them and find out. And hey, listen, if they're right, I'll consider that. But if they're not right, you know what? We'll, we'll establish that as well. But he's willing to think about things two ways. Galatians chapter six. Watch, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. So, if somebody's involved in a fault, if there's something that's wrong, and it could be in your house, it could be in the church, or it could be, uh, you know, between brothers or whatever else. If there, there has to be somebody among you that would reach out, ye who are spiritual, and the attitude is one that wants to restore. We're trying to restore here. That's the bottom line, isn't it? We're not trying to see who's more spiritual. We're not trying to run somebody out of the church here. You know what? The heart of God is to restore. And he says, when you go, you want to go with that attitude of restoring with a spirit of meekness. That's what you want to have is a spirit of meekness. Not a spirit of, hey, I'm right. I'm going to go and talk those guys into their right mind. No, he says, you go with a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what? Because even if they've fallen in a mistake or something's happened there and they've been deceived or persuaded by some minister or whatever else, that could also happen to you. And you need to go, whenever you go in a situation like this, you make sure you go not saying, hey, I know it all, I've got the answer, but you know what, by God's grace, let's see if we can resolve this. Let's restore things back again. Now think about that. Think about how that in our homes, again, now we're not talking about doctrine, Right? We're not talking about doctrine. We're talking about relations, relations here and relationships between people. And it's better for you to approach a relationship or a blip in a relationship if there's tension there for you to restore it with a spirit of meekness. So if you, if, if you have odds with your wife or if you have odds with your uh, teenager, it's, it's better for you to go in and not chew their head off, but to go in and say, hey, listen. And, and sometimes we need to, may, may need to back off from this for a moment because we're too upset at the moment. But we come back at it again and say, hey, listen, uh, you know this has happened here and you know how I feel about that. Can we talk about it? ye one another's burdens, Paul writes, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He's talking about dealing with people here, not doctrine, but he's talking about people. And he said, when there's a problem, or there's a fault, he says, we have, uh, you who are spiritual, he says, we should go to somebody. But when you go, make sure you have a spirit of meekness. Don't just go with your element. Go and consider all the elements. Am I making sense? Let's look again now. Brother Bannam says, my angel shall go before thee. Anybody ever read this sermon? Great sermon, 1953. If you haven't, you should read it. Brother Bannam says, years ago, it was firmly not believed by any people that there was any other light besides sunlight. That's the way people thought years ago. Critics and scientists laughed. And they said, didn't God make an awful mistake when he wrote the Bible? And he said he created the firmament before he made the sun. The very idea. So they're mocking God and the scripture. That spirit's never gone away. And there's no such thing as any light outside of the sun. That was their theory. And the apostle said that your whole body is full of light. Well, science looked down with the spirit of meekness and consideration, dug into it, and proved that, <laughs> lo and behold, God was right. There's plenty of light besides sunlight. For instance, an x-ray. That has nothing to do with the sun. But your whole body, he said, every little cell, every little atom is light. He said you're made up of light. And they find out that the Bible is, they found out that the Bible is right, that you're made full of light, because scientists, not looking at it from a natural standpoint, you can't understand it. But spiritual things are spiritually discerned, but they prove that the Bible was right. That's the thing that I think Brother Branham credited Einstein for, that he was able to look at it not only with a natural eye, but he also looked at the element of the scripture as well. Right? That creation was, was not just you know, the, uh, the, the physical forces of, of the universe coming together and forming a shape here. But by faith we know that the worlds were formed by the word of God, right? Yes. And that's what Einstein admitted. There's, you know what? There's an element to this we really don't understand. And we've got to attribute that to somebody. And that somebody has to be God because he's a higher power. Because there's not too many other people can make all these planets and universes and galaxies swirl around and create what's created here and for us to live in such harmony on this earth. There has to be a higher power somewhere. So I'm not just holding on to my scientific element. I'm willing to consider the supernatural element. And God says in that word, uh, the, the word for element there, it means that when we hold on to just one side of this, there's not going to be mediation. There's not going to be reconciliation when you just hold on to the one. But in a godly disagreement, we're going to take all the elements, and we're going to look at them. I wish I had a little bit more time here. Brother Branham says what the church, the Pentecostal church, needs tonight. He said, with all the other churches... Is a good old-fashioned baptizing in the Holy Ghost and a love that will make you straighten up and come together like brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and break down those walls of partition. Stop. How do we get walls of partition among brothers and sisters in Christ? <laughs> good question. And you know what? I got two minutes. Guess what? I'm not going to be able to finish this in two minutes. But, but there are differences that arise among people that are united by the same cause. Sit in the same church, have the same pastor, believe the same uh, message that uh, God has sent in this last day. But human nature says that sometimes people will get either their feelings hurt and they make it maybe have a, a point of view and maybe they're misunderstood or maybe they're not included or acknowledged enough or whatever else and they're hanging on to their element. Hang on to that element long enough and you can easily fertilize a seed of bitterness and criticism and indifference to everybody else, unless somebody sees my point of view. And that's how that grows, because the moment that you do that, and you you set up a wall, whether the wall is just in your own mind, or whether it's a click in the church, no matter what form it takes, you're going to have to do something before we have a revival in this church. Because God's not going to come down and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just, I'll just climb that wall and get over to the top and give these folks a real revival on this side over here. You know what? It don't work that way. Let me show you how it works. Brother Branham says, he quotes the scripture, love suffers long, is not provoked, not puffed up. There's that word again. Not puffed up meaning that if you have real love, you don't develop an attitude towards some people. Especially these people in the church. When you get puffed up, love is gone. When you get puffed up, love is gone. And where there's all this malice, strife, wars, envy, malice against one another, brother, God just moves. Where? Out. It's a fact. He said that you can see it. In other words, it's identifiable. I've gone into churches. And you can see something happened. Something happened here before I got here. And you know, it had nothing to do with me, but something happened before I got here because somebody's moved out. Somebody who I expected to be here is not here. Now, now you got the right road, brother. Watch what he says. You got the right path. But what you need to do is have a real revival. No? Need to come back together again for an old fashioned Azusa Street meeting where men and women will come together, all denominations break down barriers, recognize one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Our attitude, our attitude here in breaking down those barriers, makes a path for the Holy Spirit to come and bless. Amen. But as long as that wall is up there, <coughs> you're holding on to your element. And you're not considering the needs of others and you have a puffed up attitude. Now I'm not saying this about you. You, Like I say, I'm really not. You may know somebody who this uh, concerns here. But we're talking about what adoption teaches us. And it's real easy to love everybody and sing and clap together when everybody loves one another. But Satan doesn't like that. And he comes amongst us and tries to disrupt that harmony as often as, and as, and as uh, adamantly as he possibly can, as enthusiastically as he possibly can, and sews things in there. And he'll even sew things in young people. And he'll sew things through little cracks in the wall. And he'll sew things and try to get a foothold in there. And all of a sudden we have barriers. Let me tell you, in a church like this, we should not have barriers. We should not have barriers to fellowship. We should not have barriers to the Holy Spirit. We should not have barriers to the blessings of God. I don't know about you, but I like God's blessings. And I'd like to make sure that my life is not a hindrance to the blessings of God flowing to this church. Because I'm blessed when the Holy Spirit's blessing everybody. And when everybody, when the whole church is blessed and, and uh, you know, moving on and prospering and so forth, let me tell you, that's a real blessing for me. That's, that's just something special for me. And I hope you feel the same way that, listen, there are some of you that need healing. But I think it's a good thing for us to think, Lord, let healing come. Let healing come, but not just for me. Let it come for everyone here who needs it. Lord, I I need a restoration of the joy of the Lord in my heart. But Lord, there's probably others here who need the joy of the Lord. and Lord, let it come to me, but let it come to everybody. There's some of you that may say, Lord, I just need a, a stirring in my life. But there's probably other people that need a stirring in their heart as well. Lord, stir in me, but stir in them too. Stir in my brothers and sisters in. Lord, there's some people that need a little bit of comfort. They need an answer from the sermon today. They need a little counsel that comes from on high. Not because they go to the pastor and tell them the story, but because they're sitting there with a need in their life, and they really want to have the Lord uh, speak to them. Lord, I've got that kind of a need. Speak to me, but speak to all of us tonight. Wow, what an attitude to have. What an attitude among us. That's not. That's not listen, that's not a people that's puffed up. That's a people who, like the governor of Virginia, said, we look under the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord. In other words, I believe the governor is saying, and this is, this is the kind of guy that he is, uh, he, his testimony is, hey, we're only going to be successful when we, when we implore God's help, when we seek God's help. And we try to do things in accordance, in a way that God is pleased with it. And I, now, I'm not expecting you all to move to Virginia tonight, but I'm just saying that the attitude to have is not one that says, oh, we're the most prosperous state and you know, we're special here. That's not what he's saying at all. Hey, if there's any success or any credit, let's give it to God because our help comes from him. And, and I believe that, uh, you know, no matter where you are and no matter what church you're a part of, I, I say this, it isn't just about you, but it's about us because we're a part of a body. Isn't that right? So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit come and, and baptize me afresh. But not just me, everybody. We, we need that among us here. And, Lord, if there's any barriers, break them down, wear them down, and, and destroy those barriers that would prevent the Holy Spirit from moving among all of us. Because you know what? All of us could do with a little more blessing. And all of us could do with a little more revival in our soul. And all of us could do with a little more joy. Every one of you are faced with the pressures of, of life. And you got to go back into it tomorrow and, and make a list of things that you got to do. And uh, you know you face pressures at work and in school and all the other things you're trying to do. And uh, you know you're, you're listening to a doctor and you're listening to the, uh, all the things that are going on in the world. Hey, that pressure is not just one bad day. It's every day now. And it's not just some of you, it's every one of us now. And we feel that, because that's the kind of world that we're living in, in a world that's falling apart and it's going down, and it wants to suck you down into that negativity and darkness as well. But I say this, God has singled us out. And I say the way, that he, the way that we should respond, as I said in the beginning, we should be ambassadors for Christ. We should be ambassadors for this message. We should be ambassadors for the truth. And we should represent God and eternal life in this world and say, hey, I know the world's falling apart. I know the dam is broken over there, and I know our government's almost broke over here, and I know all of those things are uh, upon us, and we've arrived in that season of time. But I believe this, God has sent a message to pull us out of this, this fallen, dark world and bring us into glory, even without death. We don't have to worry about picking out a coffin. Let me tell you, God has singled us out to take us from this world into glory, into his kingdom by his grace. And Lord, let that revival spark in every heart and every soul. Let it happen to all of us, not just some of us, but let it happen to all of us. Not just this church, but every church and, and people that believe the message of the hour, people that are trying to serve God with all their heart, people who are called according to his purpose. Hey, Lord, let it happen. You know what? Jesus said one time, you have not because you ask not. God may have a reviving for us, but I believe he still wants us to ask because he knows, he knows that all of this comes from him in the first place. And he wants us to acknowledge that and say, Lord, or I need peace in my house. And Lord, help me just not to hold on to one element here, but help me look at the, the bigger picture here. Let me soften my heart. Let me, remember, compromise is not weakness. Compromise is not weakness, folks. God wants somebody like Paul wrote. God wants somebody to step in the middle of that difference and say, This element has some truth to it, and this element has some truth to it. But you know what? As I stand back and look at the whole thing, we can probably work this out. And sometimes we need to let go of our position and just stand in the middle. Because that's where reconciliation happens. Not on one extreme or the other. Reconciliation happens when we're willing to come and look at the bigger picture. Let's stand to our feet. That's how our musicians come <clears throat> this evening. I hope that makes some sense to you. I <clears throat> I'm sorry we didn't get to our text, which is Matthew 18. We didn't get over there. I tried, but we didn't get over there. Let's play and sing. I have, a, I have a maker. I think it's in the key of F, so just hit me an F there, and we'll start, we'll let our, we'll let our musicians catch up with us here. I have a maker He
2: formed my heart For even time began, my life was in His hands. I have a father, he calls me his own. He knows. No matter where I go.
4: amazing sometimes, Lord, when I think about how you must look at us and our discoveries in the Bible, things that have been laying there for so many years. and Lord, we're just discovering and opening up these principles and and just seeing, Lord, how you provided everything that we would have need of in your word. And Lord, with a new birth and the Holy Spirit helping us and quickening that word to us, Lord, it just comes alive and it becomes real to us. Father, I just pray that you would just Continue, Lord, to show yourself through your word and help us, Lord, right where we are because we need you, Lord. We need your mercies. We need your grace. Lord, all of us are guilty of making mistakes in our daily life. But Lord, teach us, I pray, like adoption assures us that we will learn the Father's way. Help us, Lord, to let go of our way, that we might learn the Father's way. We love you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, and may now you bless the balance of our week. Minister, Lord, to those who are sick. Lord, give them the touch they need. Lord, for those that are listening online, we commit them into your care. We love you. We thank you. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon this assembly and every assembly, Lord, that stands for this glorious message you've sent in this last day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. They that
2: wait upon the Lord Shall renew their strength Sing it as you go tonight Mount up with wings as an eagle They shall run and not be weary They shall walk and not Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait again all day that wait.
0: I don't believe we announced it, but there is a youth event tomorrow, right? Friday. Friday at what time? Six. And it's for 13 and older. So a youth event Friday. Please uh, uh, reach out to Rachel if uh, you haven't already so that they can get a count for uh, food and all that. I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I would. And I'll keep on trusting that He's working everything for my good.
3: ¡Gracias!